So animals and insects and fish uh, can be very, very brutal. For example, great white sharks or mosquitoes carrying malaria, may we be spared, or tigers or lions or rabid dogs can be unbelievably vicious and violent and cruel. And yet we would never really think to call, at least sincerely, to call animals and insects, sharks, whatever we want to say, to call them uh, murderers or to call them wicked or to call them bad. Why is that? So the answer we can explore is that we wouldn't do that because we understand or we most, most likely understand that there is no part of them that does or is able to think of what they did as wrong. For example, a mosquito lands on a person with, uh, it could be West Nile, could be malaria again, goodness forbid, may we be spared, and uh, it proceeds to do its thing. And yet, on, on absolutely no level is it thinking this is a person, this is somebody's mother, father, son, daughter, neighbor, this is somebody who's a good person, yada, yada. On no level at all is it thinking this. It, and it cannot think it whatsoever. It has no capacity to understand. So consequently, a way to phrase it is that it is 100% sincere. It means what it does. And there's no part of it that, that again, on any level, uh, understands that it's not the right thing to do. And just so for, uh, let's say, a wild tiger. Um, it, it, even if it eats the cutest baby, goodness forbid, there's no part of it that's thinking, oh, this is somebody that will grow up to be a, uh, a great person and somebody's son or daughter, all this. There's no part of it. It's a completely sincere animalistic act. We see, actually, that some degree of insincerity can be introduced to animals once they're trained. And the a dog might know to, to not go in the house and then it could feel guilty. Excuse me, or... A tiger that has been extensively worked with at the zoo on a certain level can uh, understand that it's quote-unquote not supposed to uh, attack or something like this. But in the state of nature, uh, there's no such thing in insects, obviously, as far as we can possibly tell. There's never such a thing. Uh, and, and probably for, for sharks and, and uh, other kinds of mean fishies. Uh, so if we apply that then to ourselves, what do we get? So we would say that the reason that we call uh people wicked and we call people bad and we would call a person a murderer who would do such a thing is because all of us <coughs> excuse me even the the ones that are closest to, uh, uh, or the ones among us that are closest to being forest gum all of us on some level understand uh, or not sincere. That's what we should say. Not that we understand. We're not entirely sincere. There's at least a little tiny aspect uh, of our um, experience which tells us that this is not the right thing to do. This is not the truth. So consequently, we become disingenuous when we ignore that and we proceed to do something unacceptable anyways. So to induce some individual instances here and to try to form a rule, we might say that um, the key to righteousness is sincerity and the key to wickedness is insincerity. And if a person cannot be wicked, uh, if he or she is sincere, meaning no matter what a person does externally, if there's no part whatsoever of a person that suspected that this might be the wrong thing to do, if it never crossed the person's mind, then the person cannot can be considered to be wicked no more than can an insect or an animal uh, in its state of nature. Right? So, for example, that's why, if goodness forbid, situation where somebody somebody's acts lead to the death of another person, What's examined in the court case is, uh, among other things, is the motive. 
is the mindset of the person. If it's found that the person had no knowledge whatsoever of the presence of the other person, for example, somebody hiding in a um, in a trash can and a trash collector went in and crushed the, the trash, then obviously we would not call that person a murderer. We might still call them neglig- negligent if they were expected to check. But that would be a different fault than to be a murderer, right? Why? And, and if there was no such thing, if they completely thought they were doing the right thing, then there's no fault at all. Not, not at all. Why? Because the person was completely sincere. There was no split which said this might be the wrong thing to do. Why is it the wrong thing to do? To dispose of the trash and that's that. Right? Um, or for example, uh, people sometimes are rolled and saying that a person did not understand at all the consequences of his or her actions. So it would be the same idea. Doesn't mean we now let this person back out into society, but it means we wouldn't class him or her with murderers. And who are murderers then? It's people that do know on a certain level that what they're doing is not the truth, is not correct, as we say, is not right, that other pe- that the other person is real, that the person has heard, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't kill, and yet the person pushes that out, represses that little voice, and does it anyway. And, and consequently, that's called insincerity. So if we were to transfer this away from these extreme cases of, of people eating tigers and killers and all this, and just apply it to ourselves. Uh, in our daily life, we would say that the key for our success as a human being or a key is to be entirely and completely sincere. And here what that means is that we explore any and all potential criticisms of ourselves or what we are doing. We don't put anything away. We don't repress anything. We don't hide anything. We don't run from anything. We simply and solely ask, what is the truth? What is the truth as it concerns what I'm supposed to do? What is the truth as it concerns my character uh, and my past and my present and, and potential future? What is the truth as it concerns my moral decisions? What is the truth? And that's it. And consequently, if there's any, even a sneaking suspicion that we did something that's not entirely true, excuse me, for example, that we uh, paid one penny less than we were supposed to pay at the store. We follow up to avoid being insincere, to avoid squashing that little voice that tells us what we did isn't true. And why do we have this little voice? It's because we would say that we, we have our entire being in truth, right? Again, it's the truth I need to breathe. Ah, it's the truth I need to eat. It's the truth that I need to stay hydrated. It's the truth that I need to sleep. So we have our whole being in truth and we understand, on a, at least on a certain level, to, to some extent, what is the truth in any given situation. And if we don't, it's not our fault. Then we can be sincere. If we really didn't know that we should have paid an extra penny for something, well, then we really didn't know. We, we're entirely and totally sincere. That's the whole point. But we do know on, in, on most certain occasions, not on most occasions, that what the uh, that, that there's a chance that we did something wrong. There's a chance that we uh, improperly handled a business transaction. There's a chance that we uh, did not honestly and in, in, in good faith interact with another person. There's at least a chance. And we know even the lowest ones among us. It's an absolutely incredible. We see that even a person that is about as far away from uh, Albert Einstein as can be, even a person that is, is, is basically an animal morally and intellectually and still is able to apprehend whether what he or she is doing is true or not and consequently has some kind of reaction and deteriorates further. And if a person can't apprehend it, then a person can do the worst things in the world and be a complete saint. Or things that somebody else would deem to be the worst things in the world and be a complete saint. So, for example, um, a person can be a shopkeeper and have scales to weigh food. 
and come and this person might check the scales all the time and yet somebody some uh, other the employee very deviously switches up these scales after they've been checked during the day to make them show a heavier weight and consequently demand more payment from the customer in exchange for less goods so now this can go on for 20 years and consequently it, technically the store owner it was his or her store and his or her scale they technically they would be responsible for uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars if not more or whatever the the exact quantity would be of damages to customers and yet this person could be the most honest righteous individual on the planet why because there was no part whatsoever of, of the person that thought you know maybe uh, maybe this is going on if that's the case usually however even in situations like this there is a little part of us which says uh, we're very acute and astute we see especially when it comes to our self-interest even the little thing we think maybe this uh, person is this salesperson is trying to get a better deal we're, we're so quick to pick up on it we're just blinded uh, to these kinds of things as it concerns any potential nullification of our lower interests. So here it would be that maybe the the shopkeeper was responsible for thinking, you know, I have an employee and he or she gives off signs of not complete honesty. So maybe I should set up a camera. Maybe I should check the cameras. Maybe I should go in during the day and myself observe what's going on in the conduct of the employees. So here it would also be uh, that the person would be morally culpable, even if not legally culpable, because uh, there was at least some kind of sneaking. There was at least a possibility of thinking that uh, um, something's not right. And consequently, there would be at least some insincerity. All right? But that's the idea. If we are entirely sincere, if there's no uh, duplicity in our mind, if there's not any aspect of us whatsoever that suspects that what we're doing might be wrong, well, then that's... that's any somebody else could say whatever, but we're 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 good morally speaking. So how do we know then if we are being entirely sincere? Uh, one way to roll it out uh, when we're not being entirely sincere is when we freak out if anybody questions us. So we see that people that obviously do morally degenerate things or, or it's obvious to other people if they are questioned they begin to freak out they begin to say no i'm a great person i give so much to charity i'm so nice i love kids i love uh, kittens i love puppies uh, you're evil you're horrible for questioning me yada yada why because a person knows that he or she is not being truthful and sincere but is squashing it aka the way of the wicked so consequently that elicits a reaction so we know that if we freak out when somebody uh, calls us out or when we think that we're doing something wrong that is uh, uh, i mean certainly that that we need to explore at least then we might find something else but we need to at least explore what it is that we're doing but if in theory and we can um, calmly discuss precisely what we're doing and why we're doing it and how it's true and how it's honest and how it will lead to our highest good and the highest good of everybody else, which obviously the real true good is not ever in contradiction as it concerns different people. We just think that it is. For example, we steal something. Now we think my true good is to not get caught. The true good of the one who from whom I stole is to catch me. So our interests contradict. But no, my true good is to get cut because I did something untrue and unsincere and I will deteriorate and degrade from this much worse than if I get caught and I get beat up or I get fined or whatever the case may be. So the true interest, if somebody does something dishonest, is for that person to pay the price. It's just as soon as we do something dishonest, we want to get away with it, generally speaking. We want to have the cake and eat it too. But again, the true interest is never, ever contradictory. So anyway, we have to be able to explain how will this lead to my true interest? 
What true good should we say and the true good of everybody else? And if we can do that and we can counter absolutely any criticism calmly, rationally, where we're not on the defensive, where we're not bugging out, well, then what else is there to say? We might still know in, in the back of our head something we're not saying, so then we have to do it. We have to ourselves be the prosecutor. We have to ourselves go on offense against ourselves and ask ourselves, is there any chance whatsoever that what I do is not completely honest, is not completely sincere, is a rationalization, is a lie, is a justification, is a projection, is a sublimation, all these terms, all these sneaky things from our unconsciousness to protect and preserve our self-esteem at any and every expense, at the expense of the truth the expense of sincerity. So we have to do that. And when we are our own prosecutor and we are our own toughest critic, then magically we see we can no longer get offended. Magically we see we can no longer get angry at what anybody says to us. Why? Because we have explored the options and we know that we are truthful and sincere. Or if we're not, then we we admit. We say, oh, the reason you're not criticizing me more is because you don't know more about me. Otherwise, you would you would say even more bad things. But we should put our head down because we've explored it. We know what, what's good, what's going on. Uh, but when we are not our own prosecutors and we wait for other people to be our prosecutors, literally or figuratively, that is when we're always walking on eggshells because we're always worried that somebody will discover our deception, our duplicity, our insincerity, and that is a life of stress and duress and, and really just an awful existence. So consequently, excuse me, it pays to be our own biggest critic, to be our own biggest prosecutor and, and live a, a much, much finer life, to say the very least. So let's do it. Thank you for listening.